Good morning, and welcome to Simply Space. It's Tuesday, February 13th. On today's show, we explore the problem of space junk and why it's a growing concern. Also, Venus has a newly named quasi-moon called Zuzvi. Plus, UAB is among 12 entities selected to provide services for the International Space Station program. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Space. We start off with a look at the growing issue of space debris. Over the past six decades of space exploration, thousands of rockets have launched into space, leaving behind a sea of space junk circling the Earth. This debris, ranging from tiny fragments to entire rocket stages, poses a significant risk to operational satellites and future space missions. Here to discuss this growing problem is our correspondent, Abby. Can you tell us more about the extent of this space junk issue? Certainly, David. It's estimated that there are over 30,000 tracked objects larger than 10 centimeters, about 500,000 marble-sized debris, and over 100 million debris that are one millimeters or smaller. These fragments travel at a speed of 10 kilometers per seconds, and even a tiny piece of junk could easily damage spacecraft or satellites upon collision. In the worst case scenarios, this could lead to leaks or mixing of fuel components, triggering self-ignition and explosion. That sounds like a significant risk. What happens to this debris over time? Well, what goes up doesn't always come down. Space junk in very low Earth orbit will re-enter the Earth after a short period of time, but the rest remains in orbit. With an annual launch rate of 110 and future breakups of 10 to 11 per year, the population of space debris in orbit will continue to grow. Over time, the accumulated mass of space debris could result in a chain reaction of collisions, generating more space junk to a point that the Earth's orbit is no longer usable. This is known as the Kessler syndrome. And what would be the implications of this Kessler syndrome? The Kessler syndrome, proposed by NASA scientist Donald Kessler in 1978, would have far-reaching implications. Satellite applications we rely on in modern day-to-day -day life such as telecommunication, navigation, weather forecasting, and Earth observation would be affected. This is a long-lasting problem that will affect generations. So what is being done to address this issue? Some scientists have urged the United Nations to treat the orbital space environment as part of the global commons that are worthy of protection. NASA has established and signed the Artemis Accords with seven other founding member nations to create a sustainable, safe, peaceful, and prosperous future in space. And the European Space Agency has introduced the zero debris approach, aiming to eliminate debris production in the Earth orbits by 2030. Additionally, companies like SpaceX are developing reusable launch vehicles, and missions like the Remove Debris Project are testing methods to actively remove space debris. That's encouraging to hear. How does the commercialization of the space sector factor into this? the space sector is indeed shifting towards commercialization. There's a rising demand for space data, related products, and services. With technological advancements, the costs of launches have decreased by 95%, making them more affordable and leading to an increase in launch frequencies. However, this also means that low Earth orbit is becoming congested, exacerbating the space junk problem. Abby, thank you for shedding light on such a complex issue. 
Now, let's shift our gaze from earthly matters to celestial ones. Venus has a quasi-moon, and it's just been named Zuzvi for a rather sweet reason. The Small Bodies Nomenclature Working Group, responsible for naming minor planets and comets, has recently published a bulletin in which it gave 29 small celestial bodies their very own names. One of these is Zuzvi, the first identified quasi-satellite of a major planet. Here to discuss this further is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Space. So Michael, what makes Zuzvi so special? Well, David, Zuzve is an asteroid that has an orbit that takes it quite far from Venus. It dives towards the Sun, passing within the orbit of Mercury, and travels outwards just beyond the orbit of Earth at its furthest from the Sun. This path traces a shape resembling a butterfly because the asteroid and Venus are traveling around the Sun nearly in lockstep. From Venus, it appears to travel around the Venusian sky about once every Venus year which led to its initial designation as a quasi-satellite of Venus. That's fascinating. But how did it get the name Zuzvi? The asteroid was first named VE-68 and later given the designation 2002 VE-68. However, an artist named Alex Foster, who drew it on a poster of the solar system he designed for children, misread the name and turned 2002 VE into Zuzvi. Scientist and podcaster Latif Nasser saw the poster and became intrigued by Zuzvi. He eventually lobbied for 2002 VE-68 to be formally named Zuzvi and succeeded. That's quite a story. Were there any other interesting names given to celestial bodies? Yes, indeed. The WGSBN bulletin contains several other whimsical names. For instance, there's Patufo, the Spanish word for Smurf, given to 1981 ET-27. Then there's Curupira, named for a Brazilian indigenous folklore legendary creature given to 2016 HL. And Gabaldon, named for the scientist and author Diana J. Gabaldon, was given to KY-65. And if someone wanted to suggest their own name for a celestial body, how would they go about it? The WGSBN, which works on behalf of the International Astronomical Union, offers advice on how to do so. From what we understand, ideas from the discoverers of objects carry plenty of weight as the WGSBN ponders additions to the 24,622 minor planets it has already named. Thanks for those insights, Michael. Speaking of space exploration, let's turn our attention to the University of Alabama at Birmingham School of Engineering's Engineering and Innovative Technology Development Organization, or EITD, which has been selected to provide research, engineering, and mission integration services for the International Space Station program. We have our correspondent, Bella, here to discuss this development. Bella, could you tell us more about this selection and what it means for the EITD? Certainly, David. Along with 11 other entities, the EITD will receive a multiple award, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract. This is part of the $478 million Research Engineering and Mission Integration Services II, or REMIS II, contract. Essentially, this means that the EITD has been added to an approved supplier list for future opportunities that arise. They now have the ability to bid on task orders that come out under the duration of the contract. And how long is this contract expected to last? The contract began in January 2024 and extends through September 30, 2030. There is also an option to extend it through September 30, 2032. What kind of work does the EITD do and how might this contract impact their operations? The EITD group was created to support the development of specialized research instruments for ground and microgravity-based research experiments. 
They are one of the nation's leading developers in thermal-controlled hardware for use in microgravity and aspire to provide hardware for operations beyond low Earth orbit. This contract is a significant opportunity for the EITD. It not only reinforces their commitment to excellence in this field, but also allows them to expand their offering of hardware and services within the NASA community and beyond. Could you tell us more about the EITD's previous work with NASA? Before this recent contract, the EITD's work in thermal-controlled systems had established a baseline of consistency and excellence with NASA under multiple previous contracts. They offer a range of options in size, temperature range, cooling rate, and sample containment. With a team of experienced engineers and technicians, the EITD specializes in the design, development, and commercialization of innovative hardware and software systems for the aerospace and life sciences industries. Thanks for that report, Bella. Now, let's shift our gaze from the stars to the objects orbiting our own planet. Leo Labs, a company that tracks over 20,000 objects in Earth's orbit, is making strides in maintaining space safety, security, and sustainability. Their innovative approach involves a global radar network and advanced AI algorithms that transform millions of measurements into vital insights for commercial and government space operators. James, can you tell us more about Leo Labs and its recent developments? Certainly, David. Leo Labs is addressing the challenges posed by the increasing satellite population in low Earth orbit. Their AI-driven solutions are critical for enhanced safety and security. The recent funding, led by GP Bullhound, will allow Leo Labs to further refine its data architecture and system software, strengthening its position as a key operational partner for the space sector. What does this mean for the future of space traffic coordination? Leo Labs' analytics and automation capabilities are setting the stage for the next generation of space traffic coordination. This initiative, under development by the US Department of Commerce, aims to establish a foundational layer for safer space operations. What's the significance of this funding round for Leo Labs? This funding round, which saw participation from new investors, as well as continued support from existing backers, was notably oversubscribed. This reflects the market's strong confidence in Leo Labs' technology and vision. The funding will allow Leo Labs to expand its global operations and capabilities, meeting the increasing demand for comprehensive space safety and sustainability solutions. And what does this mean for the broader space industry? This funding milestone signifies a crucial step forward in addressing the growing complexities of space operations. It ensures the continued safety and sustainability of activities in low Earth orbit. Leo Lab's advancements and the support from its investors underscore the critical role of innovative technology in managing the challenges and opportunities of the final frontier. That was Simply Space reporter James enlightening us on this important development in space safety and sustainability. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Space. We'll see you back here tomorrow.